All right. Hey, good to worship with you all today um, on this uh, very special day. And Pastor Sam uh, did uh, elaborate on the Mercy Fund. And so I just wanted to say a couple things about it. We want to have a really a genuine sense of community. You know, whether you go back to the Acts 2 church or um, you read about these groups, uh, Christian groups throughout history who rallied together and really acted as a community and as a family and how important that is. And so um, life happens to all of us and there are times where a disaster hits or things are out of our control and we can, man, if someone comes alongside, it's a lot better, right? And so I, I hope that we can really, um, the committee there that was formed was there to kind of just walk with people through some of these disasters that might happen. And um, sometimes uh, we know someone that might get into some hardships and it's a lot easier and it's a lot more doable um, if we rally all together. And so for the next two weeks, we're gonna collect this fund and we'll have it there specifically for the use of helping those within our church um, who might need some help. Um, and uh, man, just the thought of us rallying around someone to help them to continue, um, I think is huge. And we're really good at this outside of our uh, walls, but we wanna do that within as well. Um, and so um, just above and beyond what you usually give, we ask that you prayerfully consider, hey, you know, I wanna help someone and, um, who, who is in a less fortunate situation for the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, to be a part of that, I think would be so good. You know, and if you have any questions, you could speak with the people who are listed or contact John, who's uh, heading this up. He's one of our elders. Um, but uh, we're looking forward to that. And also just the giving of the backpacks. You know, uh, one of the things I do with my kids is as each school year starts, we go buy new, a new backpack. I don't know how I got talked into this, but it became like a tradition. Because um, when I grew up, I used one backpack till it had holes in it and stuff. But so for some reason, it's become this tradition that I just go along with, you know. And, uh, but we do this and they're kind of excited. It's a new year, new backpack. And um, uh, imagine for the kids who can't do it, um, who are struggling so much. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for us to love them in that way. Um, so you could pick one up in the back and these foster children who have gone through some very difficult times, no mom and dad living uh, in different homes and in group homes, um, get to carry a new bag to their public school and uh, at least kind of save face in a way. And so you could do that today as well. Today we are touching on this topic of pride and humility. And I realized that I was, I was thinking about this, you know, when we went through Philippians uh, last quarter and we preached through um, that book, Philippians 2, which is probably the most famous book on, or a section on this topic, the humility of Christ and how we ought to live like him. You know, I preached on that then. And I was, I was like, God, what are you trying to teach me? Um, you know, like, when am I trying to, you know, supposed to learn? It, it's a very difficult topic. It's a very important topic, but it's a very difficult topic. It's always humbling to preach this in front of people. Like, how am I going to, I'm telling people you ought to be humble. You know, and it's a really slippery slope, if you think about that. Because the moment we think, I think I got it, we don't have it, right? The moment we say, ah, oh, let me teach you how to be humble, you know, it's, it's really tricky. And it's another topic, as we have our, our youth with us today, it hits all of us. All of us could use humility. 
All of us, moms, dads, kids, you know, adults, children, whether in your 20s or you're in your 50s or 60s, whatever it is, it hits all of us. It's a process for all of us. We have to continually fight the flesh of pride and say, God, teach me to be humble. And here I want to talk about this from our text today and really highlight four areas. Uh, Four areas in our lives, or all of our lives, where this comes into play. Um, where humility is so important, right? And I want to talk about that today. First of all is, well, before I jump into that, you know, in Proverbs 11 too, it, it, kind of, it says that with the humble is wisdom. It kind of correlates the two. That humility, the humble, they get wisdom. It's the idea of those who seek wisdom are humble. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And so when we go to our passage today, even though it talks about wisdom, I want to tie that in with humility because you can't have one without the other, right? And so the first area is to value humility. We need to value this. Um, And the value that we need to have on this is is mentioned here in verse 16, right? If we could shoot up verse 16 and um, let's read that out loud together, could we? How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So in this little uh, teaching here, and 16 through uh, 19 is kind of an introduction for the rest of the section, Uh, but in 16, it says wisdom, understanding, if I could tie in humility with that, is that much more, how much better it is. And we see it here, we see it verse uh, 19, this idea of it's better, that humility is better, that wisdom is better. How much better it is. And you think about this, most of us, and I do this often, whenever there is a big um, mega million lotto or, you know, whatever it is, sometimes you daydream. Even pastors, we daydream, like, what if I won, you know, $500 million? Like, what would I do with that, Right? You know, what would I do with that? Well, I'd probably, I'd get the iPhone 7, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, I I don't know what it is, right? But we daydream about that, and we want that. Um, And money and gold and silver is important for all of us. We ought to work hard. We ought to have it. It provides for us. All of that is biblical. But what is worth more is a humble approach to wisdom. To be teachable, to say, can I learn something? Can I grow in this area? And so when it comes to valuing this, we have to understand now, um, even as I'm talking for, for some of us, we might approach this topic of humility as some kind of a, you know, a Christian, distant, spiritual practice, discipline that is not all that too appealing. You know, it's like fasting. It's like prayer. Um, You have these things that are, we say, oh, they're good, but they're not easy. And practically, uh, is there a benefit? But what the Bible teaches us is that there is a practical benefit to humility. The humble person gets ahead. The humble person succeeds. The humble person stays out of trouble. They get wisdom. And so please don't approach humility as some topic that is way up there, a spiritual topic, an impractical topic. 
Oh, I should be humble. It's going to be hard, but I should learn humility. And don't leave it at that. There is practical ways that it affects us, that it is good for us. You know, you read any modern leadership book today, and the big secret that they have come upon now is ancient biblical truths. The humble leader. The humble leader is the one who leads well in these corporations. And these are all the articles and books that I read. The humble leader is the one who makes change and his you know, uh, team follows him. Well, it's not the person with the big charismatic personality. But that's ancient wisdom. And so we have to be humble in our uh, approach to life. and We have to value it. Right? Bruce Walkie in his commentary talks about that phrase, how much better. He says, it gives the comparative degree a superlative force. Right? Only a, a way a scholar would say this, right? That this little phrase gives the comparative degree a superlative force. It's that much better. Yeah, gold is good, silver is good, money is good. But boy, if you could have a humble spirit about you, if you could be seeking wisdom, it's that much better. And so we ought to be valuing humility. We ought to be teaching humility. Moms and dads, we ought to make that our main teaching to our children. You know, this is just a personal thought, and I'm sure a lot of you would agree, but really in this day and age, um, people are not sheepish about promoting themselves. It's become almost a virtue to promote yourself. People celebrate because they have, you know, 10,000 followers or 50,000 followers or they have this many likes. And it's become a, a, a me generation, as some have called it. People, not even that long ago, used to be kind of sheepish about that. You know, like, I don't want to, you know, point all this to myself. I, this is kind of embarrassing. I don't want to promote just myself. But now the self, the selfie, the me, it's about me We feel like, well, that's normal. That's a virtue. And we as Christians have to be very, very careful. We have to be very careful to err on the side of humility whenever possible, to value humility and not to think that it is irrelevant, not to think that it's going to cause me to lose something. We win with humility, right? It says here, secondly, we have to have humility in our daily choices, in the way that we live every day. And so the way we approach work and the way we approach uh, the people at our work and the people at our school and our spouses at home and all the areas of life, all the daily mundane things that seem like they have nothing to do with my Christian life, in all those things, we ought to approach it in this way. It tells us in verse 17 and uses this metaphor of the highway. The highway represents life. It represents from going to point A to point B, right? The everyday life. It says here, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. We have to have humility in everyday choices. That means we go before God and we ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? God, what would you want me to do in this? Uh, when we think often about God's will, right? And people, this is probably the most popular Christian question that uh, we get. What's God's will for my life? Does he want me to go into medicine or business? Does he want me to marry, you know, 
her or this girl or you know we have all these thoughts um, what is God's will how do I know God's will we are so fixated on the future part of it on way, finding the easy way out but really God's will is doing the right thing God's will is knowing what he desires and doing it so it's not so much about okay here is what God wants this is now the right directions you take to make sure you have the easiest life possible no what God wants for you to do is to be equally yoked, to marry someone who has the same faith that you have. He wants you to go to work and work hard. He wants you to make an honest living. He wants you to be humble in life. So these are all general things. And he says that the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life, saves his life. You know, and, and the story of uh, in 1986, two ships in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Two ships going towards each other. They keep going and going. And at one point, they have not enough room and they crash. And people die and they, they lose millions of dollars. The investigation happened and they wanted to find out how in the world, in, a, in a, this huge body of water, can two little ships run into each other and die, and people will die. And they found it wasn't a mechanical error, it wasn't fog or some kind of a, a you know, lack of visibility. It was pride. Two captains said, this is my route. I do this. This is the right way. And the other captain said, no, this is the right way. I go this way all the time. And they say, well, no. And they play chicken, basically. And they say, no. And by the time they realize it was too late. And you think about that. Um, we do that often. Like, this is the right way. I feel good about this. I'm doing this. I don't care what they say. It is in our humble, correct choices um, that God preserves our life in this way. And how practical is that, right? Um, thirdly, with humility, is, is now from an outward decisions in life to now an inward attitude. And in this passage here, verse 18 moves from the outward ethic to now the inward attitude. Verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So the prideful person, the next step, when they are very proud and they think they have everything and they think they know everything and they think they've got it all figured out, he said the next step for that person is a fall, is destruction. And he talks about now the attitude within, a haughty spirit. That word comes from the uh, French root word, right? Uh, it means hot, means high, literally a high place. In the very next verse, he talks about someone in a lowly place. And he contrasts the two. The person who now thinks of himself, this is in, in inner life, spirit life, what we think about ourselves on the inside, that I am better. I am high. I am better than these people. I look down on those occupations. I look down on those people who live like this. I look down on those who don't have that kind of education. And we look down on the young people or the old, young people say, I look down on those old people. They don't know, you know. And so we have this spirit. And he says, it is there, but next comes the fall. You know, I, I read the statistic. Um, 
you know, some of us are afraid to enter the oceans because the shark attacks, right? There's always some kind of shark attack somewhere. Um, so, oh my gosh, it's gonna, you know, they're gonna attack me. So they did a thing about attacks and deaths and what causes deaths, right? So in 2015, there were eight deaths around this world that was reported from shark attacks, only eight. So what were they, like seven billion people? So only eight, so it's okay. Even if they're near you, they probably won't kill you, okay? So uh, only eight deaths. Football, some of us are afraid, oh, it's a violent sport. People could die in this, you're flying. These 300 pound guys are falling on you. And in, all, in 2015, from, you know, from little league to professional, there's only been 12 deaths from playing football. Do you know that in 2015, there were 28 deaths because of people trying to take selfies, right? I mean, they were trying to look at me, oh, let's get close to the edge, look at this, and imagine how many likes I'm gonna get because I'm so close to the edge of this, whatever Grand Canyon or whatever this thing is, and I'm gonna hang on this thing and I'm gonna take this, and it'll be so cool, and everyone will like it, and it's all about me, and I'm here, and I'm special, and I'm so cute, look at this, you know? I don't look so good, you know, filter, 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 right? I don't look so... 28. Um, we have to have this attitude of humility. Um, this very old story years ago in the Roman Empire, a general comes back from war, victory. And when a general could lead his people into victory, there would be a parade of people. It's kind of like when an NBA team wins the championship, you know, in, in Golden State, and they line the streets. Maybe that'll happen in L.A., right, one day. Maybe soccer, I don't know what, uh, WNBA, I, I, I don't know where, but hopefully we'll find it somewhere. But anyways, um, so they would line the streets, and the general would show up, and boy, everyone is uh, cheering them on. There's a story of a general who had one of his servants there, and he instructed him to squat down low uh, in his kind of chariot where people couldn't see him. And he told them as they go down this uh, a parade, he told him to say to him out loud every time, you are only a man. You are only a man. Not you're the man, but he said, no, you are only a man. You're only a man. You're only a man. Because everyone kept telling him, you are like a God. You are the best. You are the greatest. And yet, this little voice kept coming back to him, you're only a man. You're only a man. You're only a man. And really, that is something we need to speak to ourselves. The moment we think I deserve, the moment we complain because we deserve something, the moment we feel entitled to something, the moment we feel like I am better than, I don't associate with, I look down upon, and maybe we grew up in a family where that was rampant and that is normal, but that is not biblical. And there are things we have to repent for, and maybe we come to this place and we have to tell myself, I'm only a man, I'm only a woman. I'm only human. You know, in the uh, uh, J.I. Packer uh, first wrote about this, kind of the, the sequence of the way that Paul identified himself throughout the, the letters. You know, Paul wrote about half of the New Testament letters, and there's a sequence on when he wrote which letter. So in AD 59, he wrote, scholars say he probably wrote 1 Corinthians then, and you see this understanding of humility in himself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. 
He says, yeah, there are all these apostles, but I'm the least. But he wrote half of the letters, or half of the New Testament, most of the letters. Um, four years later, A.D. 63, he writes Ephesians, and he now humil- he's more humble in, in a way. He says, I am the very least, not just of the apostles, but of all the saints. The more that he understood himself and Christ, he said, I'm the least of all the saints. And then in 1 Timothy 1.15, which uh, was probably written a year after that, he says, I am the foremost of sinners. And so his perspective as he matured was one of continuing humility. And it is easy for us as we settle in, as we have lived a little bit, as we have bought something or made something and we have a few titles behind our name or we've been there, done that, to think, well, I'm getting better. But the one who understands the gospel correctly says, boy, you know what? I have so much to go. And in the last area we have to watch our humility in is in the people we associate with. It says here, right? Remember it talked about the high, the haughty in spirit. Here it talks about the low in verse 19. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. It's better to be with the poor. The lowly, it was, it's another physical uh, understanding of lowliness in, in Ezekiel, that word is used to describe the vine that is low or a tree that is low to the ground in chapter 27. So it's the idea of low. He says it's better to squat and be with the lowly. There is something I gain from being with the lowly than just being with the proud and sharing their spoils. The rich person might buy you something, might share their hobbies with you, and you get to enjoy these things. But what you gain from being with someone who is lowly in spirit is so much more. You gain this perspective. You understand what is going on. You know, this week, um, and it is very important that we understand people correctly, that we are all made in the image of God. You know, this week there was a, an incident, a tragic incident, uh, a man who is physically handicapped, in uh, James, uh, Jamel Dunn, 32, in Cocoa, Florida, right, on July 9th, had walked into a pond and he couldn't sustain himself and hold himself up. There's this video that went somewhat viral of these teenagers taping this guy who is drowning and yelling for help and they're laughing and they're making fun of him, saying, you're gonna die, what are you doing in there? And they're laughing and they watch him drown and die. A few days later, they uh, get his body and they want to, people are so upset, they want to you know, prosecute these kids. How can they do that? What's wrong with them? You know, that I think is, could be the pulse of the world where we look down at someone. We say, well, look at them. They don't have it all together. They don't have what I have. Maybe they deserve that. And it is so important for us as people of God to understand you know, in Proverbs 22, too, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all, that we treat everyone with dignity, that we understand that if I could sit with someone who is maybe struggling, who is, doesn't have as much as me, that I would learn that much more from them. Why we do our trips and why we do our 6-8 initiative events. Next Sunday, we're going to go out. And sit with these foster kids again. 
who don't have mom and dad in their life, who don't have their own rooms and their own stuff, who don't know where they're going to sleep the next week. We get to sit, play games, and hang out. And you walk away from that, humbled and learning. You know, we are only able to achieve the humility here. Not in our own good efforts. We are too weak. It's such a slippery slope, but we have to go begging to the cross. We have to look to Jesus Christ. And we have to draw closer to him. And the beauty of him is his humility. And that changes us. I pray for us that we could be humble before God. That we could love others. That we could value humility in this way. And may God give us the strength to do that regularly. Let's pray together. God, we cannot hear enough of your words on humility. God, we cannot be reminded enough of how pride will lead to destruction. God, um, the world around us preaches a different ethic. God, we need to understand that. So would you help us? We are filled with pride. It's just nonsense. We think we have things figured out. Uh, We need your wisdom. So we humbly come before you. Uh, We come before you in this way. Lord Jesus Christ, we look to you the humble one. And God, we are ever moved again. We repent again. Who are we to complain and demand things when you died on the cross in this way? So God, we come before you asking for humility. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.